the Lord has spoken. We will do and we will understand. Asa Shaman. Last week. The next two-year vision is this, two years and beyond. We want to be a people of the Asa Shema. We're going to ask everybody here to commit in four areas for the next 24 months to the things we want you to do. If you were totally surrendered to God, if you choose to experience more and you love like Jesus loved, you know what would happen? You'll live like Jesus lives. The reason you and I can live this isn't because we can do it, it's because He can do it. You see, that's the whole point. It's not about works. It's about opening up to God in a very real way. It's about being completely His. So if you love God and you're empowered by God, you can do this for two years. As we do, then we understand. As we're faithful, then God's blessing comes. The tie is the least of the commandments. And if you and I are going to be faithful in the little, in the least, well, guess what? You'll be faithful in much. What would happen if every single person in this church tithe? Because we've been thinking about it we would have an envelope that's called Eliminate Debt. We'll also have an envelope called Extreme Makeover. We could have a more effective ministry. If you're faithful, we'll take down that gate. I mean, we are going to be used by God. First of all, I think we all know that there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things, right? Everyone knows, well, you know, there's a right way and a, and a wrong way when it comes to a lot of things. Well, let me give you one. When it comes to our time of invitation here, uh, it's the right thing to do to pray for people. When I start going into that time, inviting people to make a decision, it's right, right, right for you to start praying for people to come and asking God to move in their hearts. And so we want to have you do that. By the way, it's right when they start to come for you to cheer for them. I, the Bible says the angels of heaven are literally cheering as people make a decision and they're having a celebration. So we should celebrate too when people do that. Um, and, and it's exciting to know uh, that the past three weeks that we've been talking about 24-7, uh, a little over 200 people have come forward just on Sundays to commit their lives to Christ. So, so that's the right way. So this is the right way. Ready? Wrong way. Getting up and leaving during invitation. You understand? You just don't do that. If you're, if you're brand new here, once the invitation time starts, you don't exit. You don't walk out. By the way, you ready? Another wrong thing. Don't go, oh, he's about to start invitation. I'll get up. Because some of you, man, you're sharp. Like, oh, it's about the time. I'll get out now. Well, how do you not, you know, really, uh, seriously, how do you not know that someone sitting near you was thinking, I'm going to make a decision, and you got up, and all they did was watch you walk out? Their whole attention span was gone. If you're not aware of it, this building is built so we can see everybody that moves around. If anybody gets up and walks around, you can see them, right? No, I'm not, don't mean to embarrass you guys. But, uh, you know, but that, isn't that true? So when I'm getting ready to start the invitation, you should start praying. You don't get up and leave during that time. Then when we start the, the actual time we ask people to come forward, which is so difficult and so hard to do, and we know God's tugging on hearts and people are working at it. And by the way, the last hour, I just felt like there had to be at least one more person. And, and so we extended it a little bit and, and, a, and a, a high school guy came forward. His mom was in tears. She's been praying and praying and praying for him. And, and you know what? In that moment, it was so hard for him to come. What we don't want to have people do is walking out during that time. 
if you make your way to an aisle or you make your way to the stairs, we're going to cheer for you because you're coming forward. By the way, if you make your way to the stairs, you're coming forward. All right, uh, we're not going to let you out the door at that point. It's just we don't do that around here. So I want to have us all on the same page and be aware of that because that's the right thing to do. By the way, it, it's right. It's right when I say that I'm going to follow Jesus Christ that I don't hold back. The Lord looked on, talked about the fact that he just does not want us to be lukewarm. Over and over again, the Bible calls for us to serve God with a whole heart, with a complete heart. Uh, you know, Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And so when we become a, a, a someone who says, I'm a Christian, that means I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And a disciple is someone who follows completely the one who now is their master, Jesus. And I know in our day and time, we don't think about the idea of a master. But when you give your life to Christ, you, you leave the American culture in some ways. And say, now I'm, I'm following Jesus. I'm committed to him. And it should never be halfway. And whenever it's halfway, see, it's right to follow him that way. Whenever it's halfway, just something doesn't feel right about it. Father, as we get ready to talk about this, I pray your spirit would move and touch. And that every one of our hearts would truly be yours. And that would just emanate throughout our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I could sing of your love on Sundays Only sing of your love on Sundays And I will sing of your love on Sundays And this feeling is gone by Monday But I still sing 
I got to tell you, this has been kind of wild to see the difference between every service because the 8 a.m. service was ready to kill them. I mean, it was just like, oh, you know, and then nine was like, okay, we get it. it's a joke. You guys got it was a joke. But, uh, but you know what is I think what gets you is because here's the thing. There's a YouTube video going around. Some of you have seen it with this on it. And we said, hey, well, instead of showing it, let's do it live. But I think when you do it live, what happens? You're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad we clapped and everything because you need to, <laughs> these guys were dying. I mean, and then our signer had to do it. Oh, that would be tough on you, huh? Yeah. And, and, but there's something wrong about that. There's something wrong saying, I surrender some. I mean, we're just like, oh, man, that's just, uh, it's just not, yeah, praise God, man. Give it, yeah. <laughs> and you know why? Because God gave everything for you and me. He, he's, and he actually still wants to. You know, uh, uh, he, God, created you on purpose to live a life that when you live it, you go, wow, this eye has not seen, it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, this, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has it ever entered in the heart of man, your imagination is what that's getting at, all that the incredible things that God has prepared because he loves you. Part of what God has prepared, are you ready for this? Is he's given you a spiritual gift that you would use in the church to do ministry. Now, he's called you to live a life for his cause, period. But I want to promise you this. Every single person who's here today who's given your life to Christ and the Holy Spirit's come in you, when the Holy Spirit came, he came bringing a gift and he gives it to you and goes, now use this. But it's never, it, it's a blessing to you, but you're blessed to be a blessing to others. Now, think about that. You're blessed with that gift to be a blessing to others. And, and see, the greatest life you could ever live is one being a servant. Uh, Matthew 23, 11 says this. It says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Now, all of us then need to know where we're serving. You need to know where you're serving. I, I hope you know where you are. I hope you plugged in. I know when Pam and I gave our lives to the Lord here at Crossroads, uh, we weren't even married yet. We just saw, okay, now that we're here, how do we serve God? And so we started working at the second graders. And then that moved to junior high and, and then it moved to high school and, and we just kept, you know, pouring ourselves into different places, you know, teaching a home study and, and, and just saying, God, where do you want to use me? And I got to tell you that the minute we started doing that, just life became alive and, and we saw God doing things that were bigger than us. And here's what I want you to grab. You, you, you were made for this. When we talk about this card, the idea of this card is, is that we really are talking about the next two years. Being a church who's not lukewarm. 
Being a church completely committed to God, which means that uh, the I, that I'm going to be intentionally intimate with the Lord. The T, I'm going to totally surrender to God. And part of that surrendering is I'm going to take some of my time, and I know your time's valuable. My time's valuable. Uh, you know, the other day, I got to tell you, I was, I, did you hear about the lady that went to the dentist and she got so mad they made her wait, she billed the dentist? Did you hear about that? And then when he didn't pay, she took him to small claims court and won. You know, and I want to tell you, I was sitting there the other day thinking, you know what? My time's pretty valuable. So man, if you don't give me, you know what? I get paid like $8.50 an hour. You better, you know, and, uh, but your time's valuable. But you know what? Here's the thing. All of us can. All of us can find a place because you were called to do this. God made you to do it. It's, it's something that literally when you do, you start to fulfill your destiny. You matter to God. And God on purpose has instilled a gift within you and endowed that gift within you. So you might go out and touch other lives. See, we're not made to sit on the couch and have our lives waste away. Too many people's lives are worthless because we have been worth less because we're not investing in others. We walk into a place like a church. You know, no Christian walks into church saying, serve me. No Christian would do that. A Christian walks in and saying, where can I serve? Because the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the servant. We walk around going, how can I help? How can I serve? Uh, I, if you have your Bibles, I hope you're in John 13 with me. And um, I want you to look at this. What it is, it's the, the idea when Jesus is going to have the Last Supper, that prior to the Last Supper, they all get into the room and he's going to, he looks around and nobody has washed feet. Nobody has washed feet. Now back then, the, the person who was considered the lowest slave would be the one because it was real dusty and dirty and as you walked around, your feet would get, you know, all dirty. And by the way, back then they didn't sit together. They reclined, which meant someone's feet was gonna be near you while you ate. And dirty feet, I don't know about you, that didn't sound real good. So someone had to wash those feet. Now, that wasn't considered a pleasant thing to do. It wasn't culturally the most exciting job ever. As a matter of fact, today I think many of us would go, man, I don't know about washing feet. But we decided that since this is about being a servant, about washing feet, and in just a minute, the ushers are going to bring in tubs of water. Uh, I'm going to ask you to take off your shoes, and you're just going to turn and wash the feet of the person next. Not really. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> you should see some of the faces I saw. Oh, my. Jesus walks in and nobody wants to do it either. And he's like, what's going on? So he takes off his robe and he goes and washes feet. Before we read this passage, let me tell you what happens later on in the meal. The, after he washes feet, he gives them a lesson. But before we get to the lesson, he, he looks and he says, I'm about to uh, be betrayed by one of you. And they all say, Lord, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And he says, well, I'll tell you the answer. I'm going to dip this bread in this wine and whoever I give it to is the person who betrays me. So he takes the bread and he dips it in the wine and he hands it to Judas. Now, did you notice that nobody else noticed that? I mean, if Jesus said, I'm going to dip it in here and I'm going to hand it to the one and he does it to Judas, he didn't hide it. He didn't slide a hand going, Peter, no, Judas. You know, he didn't do that. Why did they not notice? Did you know why? If you read in context what happened, because just before he did it, they got into an argument about who was the greatest. While they're arguing about who they are, they miss one of the most important things they could possibly know. Whenever we start living our lives about who we are and not how we can bless other people, how we can show love to others, we miss out on what really matters most. It, it, blessed are those who give. 
Blessed are those who serve. And, and Jesus, after he washes their feet, verse 12 says, So when he had washed their feet and taken his garment and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And, and what he's saying, you ought to serve each other. You ought to walk in the room saying, how can I serve? Verse 15, for I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. He said, I, I want to be an example. A disciple is someone who seeks to be like the one they're following. If you and I want to be like Jesus, which, by the way, is the greatest life you could ever live, and when you become more Christ-like, man, you're going to find God moving in your life. You're going to find you being everything God wants you to be. And when that happens for you, it's awesome. But then you got to be like him. And he said, look what I did as an example. I walked in this room and said, oh, there's a job to be done. How can I help? How can I serve? How can I care? How can I love? Not, hey, how come no one's doing this about me? It's a whole mindset shift. Verse 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one sent greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17 is key. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. You see, I want you to grab that. He, it's not that we, just in knowing that we get blessed. See, we've already said that. The whole idea of the Asa Shema, Exodus 24, 7. If you're brand new, that's our theme verse for the next two years. Is the people said, all that the Lord has commanded, we will do. That's a Hebrew word, Asa. Asa means to do with all our might. And then we will Shema, then we will understand. Jesus says, do you know what? It's not in knowing, it's in the doing. You finally get it. It's in the doing, Jesus had taught later, that your faith grows. It's in the doing that the blessing comes. And so right now, you know, you are supposed to be a servant. I'm supposed to be a servant. And I hope you're serving. I really, really hope you're serving. I hope you're doing all the things God wants you to do and fulfilling them in every way God would have you do it. And by the way, you should never see a job as too small. You should never do that. We're going to look at the parable of the talents in a moment. Matter of fact, if you want to turn to Matthew 25, I want to have you read it with me. But as you turn there, Luke 19 also records the parable of the talent, but it's a different story at a different time, and Jesus changes it a little. But in 1917, it says that Jesus looked at the guy who had done everything the way he should and said, well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. You are to be in authority over 10 cities. The Lord says, and we'll see this in Matthew 25 too, but I want you to go to Matthew 25. The Lord says, you know, you did it right, you did what I asked you to do. This little thing. I asked you to do something little and I'm going to cause a great thing to become out of it. I'm going to cause something amazing to occur. And, and here's the thing. We should never see anything as small when we're doing it for God. We should never see anything as small when we're doing it for God. Because in that moment of me just saying, oh Lord, you wanted me to do this? Well, then God begins to do cool things. God begins to cause us to experience things beyond our imagination. He causes the far more abundant life to explode within us. That's what God does when we say yes to him. In Zechariah 4.10, Zechariah said, Who has despised the day of the small thing? Now, I want to say this, that our dream is that everybody here is intentionally intimate with God, and you can understand what that means, but we'll get, get that to you, that we're totally surrendered to God, which means we say, you know, Lord, my time, talent, and treasure is yours. And that means I'm going to take some of my time and I'm going to take the talent that you've given me, the spiritual gift you've given me, 
and I'm going to use it. And it might start out small, and it might seem insignificant, but I can promise you it's not. And, and you just never know what God's going to do with that. Um, Pam and I knew a couple, actually know a couple. They're dear friends of ours. And uh, the woman, when we met her, I mean, she is one of those women who's a saint. Beautiful, uh, alive, incredible mom, best friend to everybody, always serving. I, I mean, on fire for the Lord. One of the most Christ-like people I've ever met in my life. She was married to a man who's not a Christian. Now, he was a good guy, really good guy, great husband, great father. He had just never given his life to Christ. Her greatest desire was for that to happen. And so, you know, there were times I shared Christ with them and she would get him to church every now and then. He loved her enough that she said, today, would you come? He would come, but not all the time. You know, Christmas and Easter, she just heard that he would be there. And, but every time he came to church, she'd run up to me and go, Chuck, he's here, he's here. Today could be the day. And whenever I'd preach, man, when the invitation came, I looked right at him. He even said, you're looking right at me. I said, you bet I am, man. Where? He laughed. He goes, I know, because I'm just not ready yet. You ready for this? It took years. He would come off and on. We talked off and on. Great, great guy. And one day, he all of a sudden, he's coming down the aisle. And we're crying and, and jumping up and down. And I'm hugging on him. And, and er and she's, this is her greatest joy. And by the way, he came sincere. He came meaning it. But later on, not right away, I talked to him. And I said, what kept you from coming? And you know what he said? He said, well, I know that if I'm going to give my life to Christ, that means I have to be willing to serve him. By the way, did you catch that's what a non-Christian knew? <laughs> if I give my life to Christ, I should serve him. Didn't that kind of make sense? And he said, and I kept thinking, what job would I do at the church? He goes, I don't know if the church needs me, so I don't know how I would serve, so I'm not going to go unless I'm going to do it. And, and you ready for what got him to come? We were desperate, so I got up and made an announcement. Hey, I know it doesn't seem like a big deal. We need people to help prepare communion for us. And you know what? It's really becoming a problem. And if you could commit to do that, would you go out there? And, and he went, that's my job. And that day he came forward. It wasn't my message. And he's like, yeah, I could serve communion. That's not that big a deal. By the way, um, it is a big deal. <laughs> Filling 8,000 little cups like that, one at a time. No, not really. Uh, we have a machine, man. If you want to serve communion, prepare. It's awesome. Like you hit this machine, uh, it's cool. Anyway, uh, he, he, he said, I can do that. So on Thursdays, he and his wife would come down. And, and by the way, the same day I made that announcement, another young engaged couple said, hey, we could do that. And they came down and they started preparing communion together and, and, and they had a blast doing it. And here's what's cool, you ready? Their friendship just blossomed. This more mature couple, this young couple who's not getting, and then when their wedding came, they went to their wedding and they started being friends. About a year and a half after this young couple gets married, there, there was a horrible thing that came out. And the wound was deep. And they weren't sure they were going to make it. Matter of fact, the husband wasn't sure he wanted to be with his wife. And because of the friendship that had been developed preparing communion, he goes to that couple and he said, I just don't know who else to talk to. And now my friend, my brother in the Lord, this more mature man sits him down and says, I got to tell you something. And being a husband is not about the easy times. It's also about the tough times. And I want to tell you, as a Christian, and as a man, you stand by her. You rise above this. You go love on her. And because he had established that kind of relationship and respect, the guy said, I'm going to do it. And he shocked his wife by walking in the door saying, all right, I'm going to forgive you and we're going to stay together. 
They ended up staying together. They ended up having their marriage be solid. Years later now, they're, they're a phenomenal couple with great kids. Isn't that incredible how God uses that? I mean, it really is. And, and it started with, the, uh, uh, hey, would you like to help prepare a communion? Did you catch what Jesus said? You're faithful in this little thing. I'm going to give you 10 cities. Now, you might say, wait a minute. You mean if I say yes to God in this little area, it'll start growing? Yeah, it will. But that's the good news. And by the way, even when you do the little thing, it matters. It really does. And and there's all sorts of ways to serve God here and to do it with other people. And by the way, that's the best part of it all. You get to do it with other people. Now, I want to give you a quick heads up because I, I, I want, this isn't a put down a Baptist. You know how, um, uh, by the way, I, I came to the Lord in a Baptist church, but you know Baptists, once saved, always saved. You guys know that? That's why I won't go to a Baptist hospital. Once sick, always sick, you know. And uh, <laughs> you ready? If you agree to serve in this church, you're not locked in there forever. Yeah, praise God. So, you know, that's a lot of people's fears. Well, if I say yes to the three-year-old, I'll go in that class and never come out. You know, I mean, they won't let me quit. No, no, no. If you're not getting joy from it, then you switch jobs. Or as you grow, you, you go into a new thing or, or whatever. By the way, ushering. You know, if you become an usher, you don't have to do that the rest of your life. It, what you do is you just start serving somewhere. And as that joy just goes and goes and goes, then what happens? What happens is you just find God moving you. And, and we want that to be the case. We want it to be the case. But I want you to know that God's desire is for you and I to be faithful in that. And so he wants us to have that kind of heart and life. And so if you look at Matthew 25 with me, look what it says. For it is just, uh, the kingdom of heaven, he says, is just like a man about to go on a journey who calls his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. Then to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Now, the first thing I don't want you to miss is Jesus said, I'm not asking you to do something you can't do. I'm going to give you the spiritual gift that matches your ability so that now it's uniquely yours to go out and do something amazing with. And and so what I want you to think about is it's not asking you to do something that's not you. Jesus is saying, I've got this designed for you. You matter. And by the way, you're unique. Not anybody else has your ability. Uh, uh, you know what, think about, have you ever heard the idea that you're one in a million? Well, by the way, that's not true because if that were true, there's 6,000 people like you just in China alone. You know, you don't have, do you realize you're one in like 7 billion, one in 21 billion? You're a unique person. You're uniquely gifted, uniquely made by God to go out and do amazing things. And everybody here has a part. Everybody here is to be a part of the body, working together, taking the gift that God's giving you, endowed by God, empowered by God, anointed by God to go out and make a difference. In some ways, you know what we are? We're kind of like a huge jigsaw puzzle. And everybody fits. Uh, if I today held up a piece of a jigsaw puzzle and said, this is me, and you had, had one and said, this is you, and let's all go out there and put it together. And you all go out and we put it together and, and only one person doesn't. The next week when you walked and saw that puzzle, you know what you'd go? Hey, there's a missing piece. Wouldn't the missing piece stand out? I mean, there's 8,000 other pieces, but we noticed the missing one. And because I don't know if we haven't caught how much you matter. How much you matter with your ability, your unique giftedness, who you are, the kind of difference you make. God wants you to make it. God wants you to, to grab that. God wants you to seize your opportunity a moment and never let go of it. Uh, my dad, 
my dad came to Christ at Crossroads, and boy, he was one of those guys who right away said, all right, then I'm going to serve. So he and my mom, one of the ministries they took on was preparing communion again. I guess that's why that one's on my mind. And when Rich and Tim were little, they would take them and, and say, this is what we do for the Lord, and they would prepare communion together. Then my da dad realized there was a need in ushering. Now, you need to know something. My dad was a sergeant in the military. And the reason he noticed the need in ushering is because he didn't feel like people were walking correctly to their spot. And so he volunteered to help. And then when he ended up taking over, they actually had Saturday practice to be ushers. And they, by the way, some of you ushers would drive my dad nuts because you don't come down and hit your spot and turn correctly. And, I mean, but you know what's weird? They, all these guys loved it, man. They were down there. They were getting ready. They believed if they were doing this for the Lord, they should. And my dad was a recruiter. He was out, you know, do you have a, a job? No. Well, you know what? Then get one. Come on, help me. And he was get, and this one man he went up to and he challenged him. He said, why don't you do this with me? And uh, that man said yes and started doing that and, and getting more involved in church and using his giftedness there. And that led to him opening a door to, to do something else and the next door to do something else. And now today, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a minor thing to say that thousands and thousands of people's lives have been changed because of that one man. It's JT, Pastor JT, who's right over here. And um, I, I just, see, a couple of days ago, had someone stop me and say, I got to say something to you. And I said, what's that? And he said, they said, do you know the difference JT's meant in our lives? Now, I, I got to tell you, th that all started from, uh, my dad saying yes and JT saying yes and it's grown and grown and grown. And you know what? Whatever you say yes to you, you have no idea where it's going to go. You have no idea of the difference you're going to make. And when you lay in bed at night, you're going to say, God, I can't believe you're using me to touch this person and this person and this person. And you're not going to be worthless. You're going to be valuable and priceless and amazing. By the way, the best part of Crossroads Christian Church, the best part of who we are, the, the thing that makes us special is not our buildings, uh, it, you know what it is? It's our people. It's all of you. When I, when I say, and I don't know if you've caught this, when I say, I just praise God that Pam and I said yes to coming here. And you know why? It's because of you. Now, do I know everybody by name? No. But I can tell you what, I just get amazed by the giftedness of the people that are in this room. Not just this room, but the last two services, the one tonight, and all the things that are happening. Gifted, gifted people here who are used by God to change lives in incredible and amazing ways. Eldred, who's right here. Eldred is a guy we could count on constantly to love on people and care for people. He helps in our decision counseling. I watched one time as he's just talking with someone I could tell is life-changing moment. Because of you, you make a huge difference in our lives, man. We praise God for you. And Brad, I saw you right back here. Brad is one of our college guys. Man, that guy's got a heart for God. And, and whenever I see him, I know, man, this is a guy, we can, he's just going to touch and change lives, and, 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 and he's just got this contagious, contagious joy about it. And I love that. Ruthie, right over here. Um, Ruthie does sign for us. She also does counseling in people's lives and stuff. And, and she is just an amazing woman of God. Do you know our church is blessed to have someone as gifted as her? And, and back there is Ricky Murray. And uh, you want to cl clap for these guys. Yeah. <laughs> And Ricky's back there in a hat, shrinking down because he never wants the spotlight on him. But uh, man, Ricky has just got a heart for the Lord and, and, and praying for the right things. And, and now, he, you know what he did? He answered the call. He, he goes, I'm going to go outside my comfort zone. I'm going to lead a table of fuse. And I heard it went incredible the other night, man. And praise God, you stepped up and took that on. And 
Then Clayton is right up there. I saw Clayton over here. And you know what? Uh, Clayton is one of those true servants of God. Man, I, I got to tell you, you know, it's like, you might think it's a little thing, but if, if a woman's carrying something, Clayton goes and takes it from her. If something needs to be moved, he moves it. If a job needs to be done, he does it. And he always does it with excellence. But this guy, when he does it, there's something extra about it when he does it. And, and you know what? As he's kind of grown in that and started shining out at that, Kelly Anderson fell in love with him because of his heart for the Lord. So not only did he get blessed by doing those things, he got an awesome girl too. And uh, so, you know, God does that. And the best part of who we are are people. Do you realize this now? I, I, I do, and I hope I want to just kind of put this on your mind. This church is this church because of thousands of people that are using their spiritual gift. You see, well, you're going, Chuck, you're preaching this because nobody is. No, I'm telling you because thousands are. You see, the names you see on the screen are all people that have committed to using their gifts here, to touching lives here. By the way, these aren't the end credits. These are our stars, okay? This is not the end of the show. This is the beginning. And when you start looking at those names, you go, wait a minute. I, I mean, Dwayne and Christy Vance and the kind of ministry they do is just phenomenal. Greg Yoder over here, man, that guy's got a heart of gold. And when you get around him and see how he is used by God, uh, the Schlesingers, who I think are sitting right here, uh, your name's just popped up and the kind of effect you're having in lives. And you start looking at these names. And by the way, there was a person who sat and typed thousands of names in, whoever that person is. I love them. And, uh, but, you know, I was looking at it and I thought, God, this is why I love this church. Not, not, it's not about what we do even. It's who we are together. We share life together. Now, by the way, I could let that roll forever, but I want us to come on back. You see, you were given a gift by God. And I want you to join in using it. The reason we're talking about this, by the way, I hope you've caught, this isn't in some financial campaign. Have you guys, do you understand that? Do you, do you understand? It really isn't. It's about us being an on-fire church for God. It's about saying no more lukewarm. It's about saying I'm not going to be someone who sits on the sidelines. And if you haven't caught it, it's out of love. It really is out of love. I'm not going to let people be comfortable just to come and sit in the seat and walk out the door and not have their lives change. You know, And Jesus said, I've given you this to your own ability. Now let's look at what he goes on to say here in verse 16. Um, in verse 16, it says, Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more talents. But he who received one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. He did nothing. He just did nothing. 19. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you have entrusted me five talents. See, I have gained five more talents. And his master said to them, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Did you catch that? He goes, You just did this little thing. So you get the next, and you get the next, and you get the next. And then I love the next line. Enter into the joy of your master. By the way, I, I just can't oversell this. You will never, ever be truly happy if you're not doing what God designed you to do. You're always going to feel like something's missing. You're always going to go, something's wrong. Now, by the way, I want to say this again. You, 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 every one of you individually, you matter. There's that one person here who doesn't matter. The question is, are you available to God to use your ability to make a difference? And when you do, you enter the joy of the master. And the Lord says, I just want to bless you. 
I, I, I want to bless you. I, I want to make sure you experience amazing things. Verse 22. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And then it turns. Verse 24. And the one who had received one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid, and I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, I have what is yours. I have what is yours. You notice what he's saying? He goes, I didn't do anything wrong. You ready for what he said? I just didn't do anything. I just didn't do anything. And... Uh, Verse 26, his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seeds. Then you ought to put my money in the bank and on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Verse 30 is scary. I mean, I am not kidding. It's scary. Look at verse 30. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I... Um, I'm not going to play mental Olympics and try to excuse or explain that away. There are those who say to God, because I love you, not, be, not to get your love, because I love you and you love me, I'm going to obey your commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commandments. It's not to get salvation. I don't earn it. But because you gave it to me, I'm going to go and I'm going to just throw myself into your arms and be yours. Then there's this guy and the Lord says, you're worthless. You're wicked. And um, you didn't do what you're supposed to do. You didn't do what you're supposed to do. You just sat back and did nothing and said that I'm your Lord. You sat back and called me master and never followed. We can't be that person. Amen. No, we can't be that person. We just can't be. And you know what? When you look at this, you go, wait, this is serious. Well, I want to tell you that I'm concerned for our eternities. I'm also concerned for our nows. Because deep down inside, that's not who you want to be. Deep down inside, I think there isn't anybody here who says, you know, I, I want to have a life that doesn't matter. I don't think there's one of you who goes, you know what, my dream is to sit on my couch and do nothing and make sure everything in life resolves around my comfort. I think the inside you, you know, man, I know I'm created for more than this. I think there's some of you that lies have been told to you and you're told you don't matter or you're just one person in seven billion or you're just, you know, but that's not true in God's eyes. That's not true. You know, I, I want to tell you, he loves you as a child. He loves you with everything he's got. He cares about you. And he looks at you and goes, come, let's do this together. Let's make this kind of a difference. Let's watch this effect happen. And I want to tell you today that I hope that's you. The Bible says that eye is not seen nor ear heard, nor has it ever entered your imagination all the things that God has prepared for you. And I, 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 this two years is about you and I experiencing life like that. Where we go, you know what, Lord, I'm going to say yes to you and I'm going to tune in to you and I'm going to experience you 
And I'm going to look back and say, wow, it made a difference. You were made to make a difference. And you're needed. You really are. So here's the thing I want you to grab hold of. If you say yes to God and say, yes, I'm going to do this, then what's going to happen is you're going to have an incredible life. And if you say no, well, you were made for better. And you matter more than that. So here's my question right now. Are you somebody who's completely his? Are you someone who says, you know what, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And I want to be literally sold out to you. And if you're not, and you say, I'm not sure how to do it. Well, here's the answer. You just tell him, Lord, you just say, I'll do it. You show me, you take me, you guide me, and he will. And, and during this time, we're going to go to a time of prayer right now. And I'm hoping and praying the Holy Spirit will stir and call some of you. I'm hoping and praying some of you right now will go, you know what? Today's the day. I'm not going to be halfway. Today's the day I'm going to give myself completely to him. Some of you maybe for the first time. Father, I pray and I ask that right now while we're here, that Lord, your Holy Spirit would, would stir upon anybody who needs to say yes to you. Father, I think that there's a man in this room right now who at one time felt a call to give literally his whole life to you like never before. And uh, right as he was beginning to pursue it, he had so much joy. And then he changed course. And he looks now and feels like it's been a waste. But Lord, I know that this doesn't have to be the end. Today could be a new beginning for him. So I pray he's going to open up to you today. He's going to recommit his life to you. He's going to put himself back on track. Father, I want to pray for a person who's sitting here today and, and they know, this, this person, this woman knows. Deep down inside, she knows that she matters, but she's been told time and again that she's worthless. And she's too often bought into those lies, but inside her, she knows that's not true and there's a battle that's fighting and she almost wants to scream, I know I'm somebody, I know I'm special, I know... And people in her life who should have taught her that she is have not shown that. But today I pray she's going to hear your voice. She's going to get your call and she's going to say yes to you. And Lord, I want to pray that you would start to touch everyone who should come today. I pray, God, that they can feel it. I pray you would just literally take it so it's almost like there's something t tingling and there's just right there for them. And they're about to say yes to you and commit to you completely. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. And right now, I'm going to lead a prayer where you can commit yourself to the Lord or recommit yourself to him. Oh, we want you to do this. If you know it's your time, or you sense God calling you, and I think God's calling some, a couple of you especially, I'm hoping you'll say yes to him. Let's just pray this prayer together. Say these words, whisper this. Say, Lord Jesus. Just say those words right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross so that I would be forgiven, so that I would find healing, so that I would find freedom. 
And I want the life that you have for me. And I want you. So I open my heart to you. And I pray right now you'd fill me with your love and fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me live the life I'm meant to live. Help me be the person I'm supposed to be because I am completely yours. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer today, praise God.